Praise the Lord, everyone. Thank you for letting me come, Brother Mangan. My sincere apologies to the Pentecostals of Alexandria for having been sick and having to cancel on you last weekend. And uh, very happy to be here, very honored. Uh, the Bible talks about not hooking up two type of animals together. He's definitely the ox. I come to this pulpit now extremely uh, shocked over the magnificent message that uh, has just stunned this whole conference. Nevertheless, 1 Kings. Chapter 18. Verse 1. It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. There was a sore famine in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it was so that when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave, and fed them with bread and water. Continuing on to the end of the scripture, please. Verse 46. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Nahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and withal how he had slain all the prophets of the Lord. And, and Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also. If I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, requested for himself that he might die, and said, It's enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. He looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on coals, Cruise of water in his head, he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. The angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he rose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel, forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he, being God, said, go forth. Try to put it all together for you in a few minutes. 
verse 9 it said he came thither unto a cave and he lodged there and God said get yourself out of the cave I'm going to preach to you it's time to get out of your cave All right. Father bless the ministry of the word and help me to do a great job in a little bit of time I know we've heard a lot of preaching and have felt the great move of God and yet this is what I felt you told me to say give me boldness to preach give me strength to speak Help me to be a voice of encouragement, not indictment. Help me, Lord, to do what you want me to do. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. It's time to get out of your cave. Caves of late have been calling to... All kinds of people from every strata of life producing an almost an insatiable hunger and interest. Recently, uh, I was uh, quite moved by an article in National Geographic that had eight or nine or ten full-color pictures of uh, caves and people exploring caves and, and all the nifty and neat little things you find in caves. Lots of history recorded on the walls of caves. The floors are full of bones and pottery in caves. You can find tragedy and treasure in a cave. People have been known to be born and lived and die in caves. The tragic part about a cave, there's nothing attractive about it. Usually a cave is dark and damp and cold and empty. And some of the cave dwellers said, right. Well, let's try another one. Some of the hypocrites said, Amen. Sometimes caves are used by various animals, bats and snakes, and owls and bears hibernate, and wolves raise their young, and other creatures who seem to just need a shelter from a storm or a situation. Or being hunted. And all the cave dwellers said, right. Now either I didn't hear the voice of the Lord, or I heard it and you're not hearing me. Now we've been beat up and ripped apart and knocked down and dragged out and... We've been turned inside now three or four times, and I'm happy for all of it. But I've got a word of encouragement if I can get your brain. I know they said the heavyweights are coming tomorrow. That means the lightweights were here tonight. I must be a middleweight. Let me try my last statement again. Caves have been used by all kinds of creatures. That need a shelter from a storm, from a situation, or being hunted down. Caves have been used by creatures who couldn't believe God. The first reference I find is a fellow named Lot, 
who begged an angel to be allowed not to go to the mountain, but go to a little city named Zoar. But when he got to Zoar, he got to thinking about his decision for God and couldn't trust God. And the scripture says he left Zoar and dwelled in a cave. You usually end up in a cave when you're afraid. You usually end up in a cave when you got fear bouncing in your body. You know what fear is? Faith in the enemy. My Lord, the cave dwellers are here. Nothing wrong with going to a cave. I'm not trying to beat you up. I've lived in caves for years. But the voice of the Spirit is saying to me, Tell the movement. It's time to come out of the cave. There's work to be done. There's a job to be accomplished. There's souls to be saved. And God wants us out. Stay with me. Stay with me. Lot used it because he couldn't believe God. Now he asked God for special permission to go to Zoar. And when he went there, he didn't believe his decision was good. He actually believed God was going to lie on him. And he left Zoar and hid himself in a cave. The Bible said he was afraid. Now the angel said, I won't destroy the city because you're going there. Isn't it funny how we make decisions in emotion and then facts kill us? And emotions destroy us? And circumstances rape our faith. And we prostitute principles because we get afraid. Has he ever lied to you? Has he ever made a mistake? Has he ever turned his back on you? Isn't he the unchanging God? Isn't he still the great I am? He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never put on you more than you can bear. I'll make a way for a test and trial that you can escape. Hear the word of the Lord. God is saying to us cave dwellers, go forth. Sit down a second. Scripture tells us that David used a cave. One time Saul went in to take a little siesta in the afternoon. And he was hiding in a the cave. There's another time he stayed by the cave of Adullam. Where he was getting his little a band of bandits. You know, the discontented and the distressed and the in debt. Man, I get all those kind of people. I never get lawyers and doctors and... I don't teach people Bible studies, mannequins start talking in tongues and paying three years back ties. I get folks you got to buy groceries for and you got to turn their lights on. But they come out to be pretty good saints after a while too. Because such were some of you. I said such were some of you. But now you're washed. Now you're justified. Now you're sanctified in the name of the Lord and by His Spirit. We were all a bunch of jerks. We were all lost. We were headed for hell. And God grabbed a hold of us and turned our lives around. Just bear with me a minute. I'll get to my sermon in a second. All through the scriptures recorded. And Israel got afraid and hid themselves in dens and caves. God's trying to tell us something in the spirit. Caves have got something to do with people that are afraid. 
That means it touches humans. And Israel hid themselves in the caves for the Midianites that raided the land. And they hid themselves in the caves, as recorded, for the Philistines that invaded the land. And they hid themselves in the caves and the dens of the rocks when the Amalekites came. You see, it's kind of normal for our makeup to just go hide in the cave. Now stay with me. I know where I'm going. I wrote the notes. But there are two great dangers about caves. Two great dangers. You ready, Reverend Michael? I want you to read for me if you would. I need Joshua chapter 10 and verse 16. But these five kings fled. Right. And hid themselves in a cave at Makeda. Now hear me. Even heathens hide themselves in caves. Not just godly people. Heathens do it. So you don't want to stay there long because you don't know who you're going to be sleeping with. You don't know who you're going to get your ideology from. You don't know who you're going to get your philosophy from. There's a lot of people that are hiding in caves that say they're saved and religious. It's a bunch of hogwash. You can't see good in the cave. There's no light in the cave. There's no water in the cave. There's no happiness in the cave. you got to get out of the cave. Now, now stay with me here. Watch this now. Here, here's what I'm trying to tell you. A cave can be dangerous because a cave can start out as a hiding place. A hiding place. Read the next verse, Rev. It was told, Joshua saying, the five kings are found hid in a cave at Makeda. Now it's a hiding place. And Joshua said, roll great stones upon the mouth of the cave and set men by it for to keep them. Now the hiding place becomes a prison. Now the thing you and I tried to escape from is holding us hostage. Fear is a horrible taskmaster. That's what he just read. He's not in the comic book. He's reading the Bible. Went to a hiding place. But the hiding place, all of a sudden the light went out. And they rolled a stone and they had sentries in front. And now the hiding place has now become a prison. Now you're not hearing from a virgin voice up here. I've had my licks. I've got beat up. I know what it is to hurt. I know what it is to be stupid. I know what it is to have a bad attitude. I know what it is to get hurt by people I loved and trusted. And you know what I did? I went and hid in the cave. I isolated myself. I'm not going to bother with you no more. I don't trust you. I don't like the way you do things. I'm staying away from you. And all of a sudden I found out while I stayed in this little cave and lied to myself and say, well, I won't do you no harm and you don't do me no harm. And all of a sudden the Holy Ghost says, you can't play that way. The rules are not yours, Flash. You must give out or die. You cannot regulate what comes into your life, but you can regulate what you give back out. And if I've given you truth, what are you doing hiding in the cave? If I've given you the mercy of God, why are you licking your wounds in the cave? Why are you sucking your thumb in the cave? You better get out or the cave's going to be your prison.
Am I making sense yet? What are you folks doing in the cheap seats? Can you hear me? You don't get paid for doing an impersonation of a mannequin. You need to move a little bit. My God! I'm telling you, God's fixing to give us a blowout. You win, you come out of this cave. Be seated, huh? I'm running out of time. Read, read verse, where's wherever? Read verse 22. Yeah, same, same, same book, just Joshua 10. Remember now, first everybody said, a hiding place. He said, now it's a prison. Then said Joshua, open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings unto me out of the cave. You hear what he just said, Bishop? If you and I stay in our cave long enough, somebody else governs when we get out. Now I'm going to confess. You confess. Now I'm going to confess. You sit down a minute, Reverend. I'm going to confess. And I'm not, I ain't got no axe to grind. I couldn't get a locked dog catcher. I, I'm not interested in no position. I'm not, I'm not trying to take a vendetta. I'm not using this pulpit to get something off my chest. But I do want to tell you what God has done for me. Few little situations all oh, a couple of years ago, and I'm starting to learn your little nomenclature. Instead of saying it was this district, just say somewhere between the north and south. That leaves you free. Somewhere on planet Earth recently. There were a few decisions made that went against me that I felt was not right, it was unfair. And I didn't want to throw my two cents in with something that I didn't believe was fair. So I isolated myself and backed out. Canceled meetings across this movement. Didn't even go to my own meetings. Didn't even go to the district meetings. You don't hurt me, I don't hurt you. Fair enough. And then I called this character. You hear me? I called him. And I began to spill the beans. And he being the man that he is, just listen to the beans. When he finished listening to the beans, he said, Now, what would you like me to tell you? The truth or what you want to hear? I said, Tell me the truth. He said, You can't hold on to that attitude. You can't hold on to the feeling. The situation may went against you. It may be totally wrong. Then he said something to me that knocked me off the chair. He said, So was Calvary. And Jesus chose to forgive the people that murdered him. If you don't forgive these people, Jeffrey, you are going to be a prisoner and a hostage to former hurts. I'm in the Holy Ghost. I sense it. I'm in the Holy Ghost. I sense it. God's trying to help us right now. If God said, get out of that cave, you better get your carcass out. Sit down a second here. Now you hear me now. I'm, I'm not telling you. I didn't I get this on no tape ministry. I didn't steal it from no book or nothing. This, this happened to me. This happened to me, Brother Mooney. Two years. Two years. And you lie to yourself when you're in the cave. Because in the cave it's dark and you don't see things properly. You acclimate to the darkness. And your darkness becomes light. 
Yeah, and it's smelly, right. Stay with me now. And I'm two years, and I'm bleeding, buddy, and I'm bleeding. And I'm hurting, and I'm bleeding, and I can't seem to get anybody to understand that, that, that I got the short end of the stick here, and this ain't right. And, and, oh boy. And I'm sitting in my living room. It's about quarter to five. I'm getting ready to take a little 15, 20 minutes siesta before I go out the recliner to go study and pray for the Wednesday night message again. And while I'm asleep, now you said we ain't supposed to say if the Lord didn't say and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to take it. I think the Lord said. And the reason why I think the Lord said, because the devil ain't never told me nothing good. And while I was asleep, everybody said he's asleep. Said his brain wasn't engaged. He was asleep. I was asleep. And a voice spoke to me inside my head that was not working. It was so powerful. It woke me out of a dead sleep. And it said to me, And God. Turn the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And I woke up out of the sleep and I said, What? And Sister Arnold came around the corner and said, What are you on? I said, Not talking to you. God has spoken to me. And I said a second time, What? And the voice came again. And God turned the captivity of Job. When he prayed for his friends, I ran out to the office, found it in Job 42. And then the Spirit fell on me as I began to sob and weep. And he said, Job could never pray for his friends until from the depths of his heart he forgave their injuries. Some of our praying for each other is Pentecostal fluff. You can't pray effectively if you don't forgive. And a third time the voice spoke and said, This situation is holding you hostage. Why don't you set yourself free and just forgive it? I fell down on my knees and got to slobbering and snotting and boohooing and crying. I prayed for everybody. I named their names. Said, God bless them. Use them. Give them revival. Let their churches grow. Let them be blessed. And I'm telling you, it was like 10,000 pounds that lifted off my shoulders and off my heart and off my mind. And to this very day, I can look everybody in the eye. I don't have no problem. God takes care of taking care of everything down the road. But I'm free. You know why? I decided to get out of the cave. I decided not to hold bad feelings. I'm not going to be some vendetta for hell. Because the longer you stay in the cave, the more you can lose there. I ain't lost my anointing. I don't know what you've lost. Read for me, Reverend, if you would, please, Brother Michael. Verse 26. 20. I don't, I don't know what... What's... And afterward Joshua smote them and slew them he killed and them. hanged them on five trees. He killed them. He killed them. Now watch this. Here, my last point. And they were hanging upon the trees until the evening. Yes. And it came to pass at the time of the going down of the sun... I'm fixing to have a fit. 
That Joshua commanded. Here's what he said. And they took them down off the tree. Watch this. And cast them into the cave wherein they had been hid. Started out as a hiding place. And laid Then it became a prison. Now it became their grave. Don't tell me God doesn't know what he's talking about when he's challenging this conference to get out of the cave. Lest somehow the cave becomes a grave. You can't carry an unforgiving attitude. You can't carry a dirty spirit and a dirty mind and a dirty mouth. There's no way the cave will bury you. Please be seated just another minute. I got to run quick here. Point number two, if you and I are not careful, living in a cave will become a way of life. What do you mean? Every time you get hurt, you run away. Anytime somebody preaches something you don't agree with, you all of a sudden become the authority. Since when did God die and leave us in charge? He's still on the throne. His word is still settled. It can't change. There's no variableness with him. Yet I have people that I try to talk to and pastor. I'm trying to get some of these people to heaven. And they're determined to go to hell. And they fuss and cuss and fight with me over stupid stuff. Rather have their kid make a touchdown and slide in the second base. Than a slide in the altar and talk in tongues for a half hour. Now don't misread into that. I don't need to qualify, right? I'm talking about priorities. Trade illumination of the spirit for a four-year degree. You're an income poop. Your brain doesn't work. This world's going down. All the works of this earth are going to be burned up. The only thing you've got is your spiritual enterprise. You better make sure you develop it to the highest plateau. Am I making sense yet? Just let me go a little further. You hear me? I am so grateful, God. I am so grateful. That God ever woke me up and showed me what a jerk I was becoming. See, you can be a jerk by justifying yourself. But what they said was wrong and what they did was wrong. And Well, it's just wrong. I can show you a scripture in verse. And there comes Tenny's terror voice. So was Calvary. So was Calvary. So was Calvary. And if I really want to be like Jesus, I just got to shake it off. I just got to put it under the blood. I just got to go live right and be godly and be holy and give everything I can to contribute to the work of God. My life is so short at 70 years. I ain't got time for vendettas. I don't have time for revenge. I don't have time to build my little pet kingdom of political theology. What doest thou here, Elijah? Sit down just another minute. 
Stay with me. I'm going to show you something. Listen. Now you may disagree with me, but just be quiet if you do. But in chapter 18, I have read for some 20 years, this cat Obadiah. And I've looked at him and I've never been able to get it resolved in my brain how he could be a good guy. Because they was attached to his name and Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. What's that mean? I'm going to hit you with one dog right now. When, when, when Elijah gets ready to have a confrontation, the Obadiah spirit says, now let's not confront Ahab. Let's have a diplomatic approach to this. Let's work alongside with Ahab and eventually over the years he'll see that I'm saying grace at the table. And he'll fall down and talk and talks. And Ahab, the madman, he's saying, nah, let me go see Ahab. Uh, Elijah wants to talk to Ahab. He wants a confrontation because unless you confront Ahab, which is the problem, your little journey, Obadiah, of looking for grass will never end the drought. Now, wait a minute. Here I go. If you don't get this one, you missed the message. He turns in the 10th verse and says to Elijah, Was it not told my Lord Elijah what I done did when the jazz was bumping off all the preachers? How I took a hundred of them, 50 by 50, and I hit them, and then it hit me. And all of a sudden it just went boom. Because it looks like in the scripture that he's a good guy because he spared a hundred preachers. Unbuckle your seat. You ready? A silenced preacher ain't no better than a dead one. No, you ain't heard me yet. I said a silenced preacher is not any better than a dead one. We've got truth to tell people. We've got goodness to show people. We cannot be so diplomatic that we don't disturb our generation. Well, I saved a hundred preachers for God. Well, where are they? Shh. We're kind of hiding in the game. You got a preacher that represents the one God message hiding in a cave? What are they doing in the cave? They're telling each other, shh. And the only guy that affected the whole generation is that firebrand Elijah who's out in the middle of the street. Brother, he's saying, let's get the fire test started right now. Let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. He was the one that turned the tide. You can't be afraid of confrontation. You can't be afraid of negative reaction. If you believe what you say is true, why do you care what anybody thinks? Truth is only powerful to transform lives when it's heard and acted upon. 
I'm, why don't you just sit down? Listen to what I'm fixing to tell you. In John 7 and verse 7, verse 7 of John 7, Jesus said, The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify against it that its deeds are evil. Uh oh, I lost my audience just now. Jesus said, The world hates me. Why? I confront it. Wait a minute. Now you preach the truth in love, but you still tell the truth. You still got to show the sinner the error of his way and the great goodness and grace of God. They got to be in the same statement. You got to show that though they're mistaken, there's a help for their mistake. There's a love that won't let them go. There's a bloodbath. There's a Calvary. There's a name. There's angels. There's the book. There's everything working for them. You got to tell them because a sinner never gets saved who's not told he's a sinner. You know, when O.A. Blinken signed that Emancipation Proclamation, he legally and judicially set all the slaves free. Yeah. He set the blacks. He set the Mexicans. He set the Indians. He set the Chinese. He set all kinds of minority groups that were on plantations as slaves. He set them free judicially. Boom. They're free. Now, the problem is when you're on a plantation, you've got three options. If you're, if you're on a plantation and all you've known is plantation, which, by the way, can be a cave. You see, a cave, ain't a, a cave ain't a location. A cave can be an attitude. And when that guy walked up and said, I got a letter from El Presidente, Abe Lincoln. And here's what Abe said. As of this such and such a date, all you cats are free. Now this guy, why Willie, he ain't never heard of Abe. And he can't read. So he looks at the Emancipation Proclamation and says, Hmm, nice piece of parchment there. And he goes back to picking cotton. Now the other guy, Charlie, he's down here by the stable. They asked Charlie, say, hey, we got a letter from the president. He said, you're free. As of, as of yesterday, sign this Emancipation Proclamation. You're free. Now he looks at it and he rejects it. He reads it and says, don't believe it. Always been in the cave. But you got wacko Willie down here. Who they walk up and they give him the parchment and say, The president said everybody free. He looks at it and says, mm. Grabs his wife, his three little children, and says, Hasta luego, baby. I'm out of here like gone with the wind. I'm out of here. And walks off the plantation. You didn't hear what I just said. The only way the invite from the president will ever emancipate anybody is if they believe what they've been told and they act upon it. It's not enough to say you believe it. If you believe it, act like you believe it. Bear with me just another minute. There's a lot of believers that are like Obadiah. They resist sin, but they stay silent. Oh, yeah. It's not knowing the truth. I'm going to show you something that God showed me. God showed me. God showed me. You ready to read John 3? 
Watch this. This is God showed this to me. And this is the condemnation. I'm not this smart. God showed this to me. That light is come into the world. Right? And men love darkness rather than light. Now watch it. Here we because go. Because their deeds were evil. Here we go. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. What's the opposite of doing evil? Doing what? Ha <laughs> ha, you failed. That's what we always think. The opposite of doing evil is doing good. That's carnal thinking. What's spiritual thinking? Read the Master's words. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Watch this. But he that doeth truth... Stop! The opposite of doing evil is not doing good. Because there's lots of evil people who can do good. Jesus said the opposite of doing evil is to do the truth. And to do the truth is to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. And receive the gift of the Holy Ghost talking in tongues and living godly and holy and separate and committed and consecrated. But he that doeth the truth. Sit down. Don't you see we got people who got the morals of a roach that do good. Al Capone didn't know who was going to be in the bedroom next week. But he built orphanages and hospitals. I used to date a girl when I was in the Air Force in 1963 whose father was the high potentate of the Shriners. Now Shriners in, in, in normal... Uh, Interpretation is drunk. And they used to rent the whole top five floors in Kansas City, and we just get bombed out of our gourd. And they wouldn't give the Shriners any kind of tickets, even when they had accidents, and they acted like a bunch of fools, although they got drunk. You know why? They built hospitals, they built burn centers, they donated money. So the world says if you're evil, and you do good, they, they cancel each other. But God says, uh-uh, your math ain't my math. If you want to be accepted by God, you can't just do good. Because you can be evil and do good. But you can't do truth unless you're godly and holy. Am I making sense yet? Are you hearing me? Oh, hallelujah. Can I just go just a few more minutes? Are you ready with Acts 7, Rev? I'll be there. Wait, I'll be there in a second. I want to show you another cave. I told you, a cave doesn't have to be a location. A cave can be an attitude or an experience or an episode. Consider the mighty man Moses. He had a cave as big as a wilderness. He lived in a cave 40 years. He went to his cave as a hiding place from his hurts. But it eventually became his prison. How do I know it's his prison? Because the longer any of us stay in the cave, our attitudes change to what we once believed. I'll show it to you. Read for me, Reverend Michael. 
For he supposed his brethren would have understood. You know the story? Moses went out and found those two Jews beating each other's brains in. And so he went out and he separated them. And he said, whoa, you guys, your brethren, what are you doing? Now watch this. He thought that they would understand that he was going to be God's deliverer. And that's where I got my trouble. And that's where we usually get in our trouble. Is we assume people understand our motives. And all they can do is judge our action. Uh oh. Read, read, read for me, Reverend Michael. He supposed his brethren would have understood how that God, by his hand, would right. deliver them. He thought they'd understand he was the deliverer. But they understood not. Didn't understand. And the next day, he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at one again. He tried to be a peacemaker. Sirs. Your brethren. Your brethren. Why do ye wrong well, one you, to another? Don't hurt each other. But he that did his neighbor watch, wrong. Watch this. Go ahead. Thrust him away. You know how long that thrust was? Forty years. Gave him a good shove. <laughs> he shoved him out of the arena of believing he could be a deliverer. Right. To settle into being a shepherd. Right. I wonder how many times our brethren have shoved us and pushed us and they really didn't mean any harm. They just didn't understand our ideas or our concepts or our dreams or our motives. We are fools if we let a misunderstood thrust and shove throw us into a cave and rape us of our ministry and ruin the gifts of God that are inside us that are supposed to help the body. So he thrust him away. You understand him? Am I making sense yet? Are you hearing me over here, Brother Paul? Am I making sense? You hear what I'm saying? You folks in the back, you hear what I'm saying? Now you have to understand, Moses had a dream. He believed, he understood in his heart that God was going to use him to deliver these Jews. But a rejection, a rejection by people that you love can rip from your heart every desire and every dream if you let it. Oh, I'm slowing down. I'm rubbing fur here. I don't have all them gifts, but a few of them suspicion ones are moving in me right now. I pick up vibes here right now. Oh, yes, I do. I'm just going to wait a second. There's vibes here right now. We're sucking our thumbs and we're sitting under our juniper trees and the world's going to hell while we're trying to say we're right. I'm going to tell you who's right. God's right. Everybody else is wrong. He had tried to help. He had failed. He had been thrust away. He had been rejected by his brethren because they couldn't understand. He had dreamed of delivering a nation. And now the scripture tells us in Exodus, he settled down with smelly sheep. The curse word in Exodus 2 is, and he was content. You know what he was saying? Let a younger buck deliver him. I tried. 
I tried to bring peace to the brethren. They pushed me out of their picture. They threw me away and they thrust me 40. I've been out here 40 years. Don't you think the bells on the bottom of the neck of those sheep when it rang once in a while stirred his conscience to hear the chanting and lamental sighing and crying of his brethren who say we need a deliverer. We need a deliverer. And the cobwebs would shake out of his head and he said, not me, Jack. I've been there. I tried. I tried. They don't want me. That's God. I don't want them. Now you hear me? I told you. Your cave can become a hiding place and then a prison. And what's the last step? The cave becomes a Oh, but thanks be to the God of all grace, Brother Kilgore, who just before his cave became a grave, the bush lit up. Ain't nothing like a burning bush to light up your cave. You talk about you light up my life. Forty years? Hasn't heard the voice of God? Hasn't had a move of God in his life for 40 years? Living in 40 years of rejection, sucking his thumb and licking his wounds? And the God of all grace just sets that bush up on fire and says, Hey, Moses! He hasn't heard that voice for 40 years. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to help you out of your cave. We ain't got time for you to get better. You just got to come like you is, baby. And let the fire purge your spirit. Now, you're not hearing what I'm saying. You know, you hear me. He, he didn't spend his last year in repentance. He wasn't giving up offerings and sacrifice. He wasn't doing any of that stuff. He was content to be a shepherd. And his dreams were in the dust. And the God of all glory just goes... Moses! See, we're waiting to be qualified. We're waiting until we feel it. And the fire just goes, Hey you! Yeah you! You! Front center! Moses looked to see why the bush isn't burned. Gets a little closer, takes off his sandals, says the ground's holy. And watch this. The God of all grace says to the reject, I want you. No, he, he didn't hear me. He's in a cave for 40 years. And the God of all grace says, I want you. Get out of the cave, Mo. I got three million Jews. I'm fixing to put on the biggest jailbreak that's ever been recorded. Who knows what God's fixing to do with some of our lives when we leave this conference. If we'll have the courage to get out of the cave of failure and sadness and sorrow and resentment and an unforgiving spirit. Just, just a few more minutes and I'm done. You stay with me. Before the cave became a grave, the king showed up and said, come out of there. Now watch this. God had his hands full trying to get this cat out of the cave. 
Because the longer you stay, the longer you line the walls with excuses. And even the burning, blazing fire of the angel of the Lord that lit up the bush could not convince a 40-year cave dweller that he had just been called into active duty. Now watch, God is trying to, you stay there, don't go, let me pull you out. God is trying to pull Mo out of this cave. Moses, Mo, come on. We got work to do in downtown Egypt, come on. And as, as God's trying to pull Moses out, Moses is using his other hand, handing out his drapery wares of excuse. Who am I? I'm not eloquent. They won't believe me. Send somebody else. I'm here to tell this conference in Jesus' name. It's time for us to bring out the last excuse. I said it's time to bring out the last excuse. And then come out of the cave with it. Because God is fixing to use us greater and bigger and better than He's ever used us in all our past. Five, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. Just stay with me. I said the greatest days are ahead now. He's going to be involved with the biggest jailbreak ever been. He's going to be in the biggest parade of signs and wonders that's ever seen. He's going to be the only dude to ever open up a Red Sea. He's going to walk with a pillar of fire. Oh yes. Oh yes. He's going to be up there when Sinai starts shaking and quaking under the Shekinah of God. He's going to walk into the presence of God and come down the mountain with two things. Ladies and gentlemen, he came down the mountain with two things. He had the law under one arm. Which, by the way, Bishop, was already broken before he got down. But God, who knows the end from the beginning, stuck the law under one arm. And the tabernacle plan of approach under the other. God already knew they couldn't keep the law. That's why he gave them the plans to the tabernacle. Because the tabernacle was an approach to people who were trespassers and violators of holy law. Their approach to God was not a second thought. He came down the mountain with both. Don't you understand what the tabernacle plan is? Broken law. And the cross. Tabernacles laid out on the cross. He said it tonight. Our foundation's in the blood. It started in the blood. Moses comes down with a broken, violated law and God's gracious mercy saying, I make a way for you to approach. What is God saying? I want you out of the cave. Don't stay a trespasser. Don't stay dishonest. Don't stay a violator. Ask God to forgive you. Get rid of that spirit.
Okay, a few more minutes and we'll go home. Hear me. I know some of us have been hurt. Some of us have been rejected. Some of us have been misunderstood. And I'm going to hit all of you. And some of us deserve it. There's been some of us that we're a bunch of jerks. Come on. Sometimes our spirits ain't so good. Sometimes our attitude ain't so good. Sometimes the way we react to things ain't so good. And God throws it in our life to see how we'll respond to it. And if you don't pass the class, He lets you take it over. But He said to Moses and He's saying to us, I need you. Israel cannot come out of its cave till Moses comes out of his. Now I indict this audience with myself at the top. How many tens of thousands of people are held prisoner by Satan as they await us to get rid of our excuses and come out of our caves? The whole city of Nineveh, Reverend, waits on Jonah to get his apology right, to get his attitude straight. And when he finally gets vomited up out of that fish, he gets to preach what he was supposed to tell him to begin with, and God spares 120,000 people with one sermon. Now, I'm trying to close. God is glorified when caves get emptied of their occupants. Case in point, John 11, verse 38. And they buried Lazarus. And his grave was a cave. And in the beginning of John 11, it said this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. God is not glorified in your sickness. He is glorified when you get resurrected. God got no glory out of Lazarus dying and being put in the cave. But he got a whole bunch of glory when he said, Lazarus, come out of the cave. Okay. Let me ask this beautiful congregation. What gives Christianity its awesome, unequaled power to transform lives? What, what gives it its power? Only one thing I know, and I wrote it right here. It's right near the bottom. I wrote it on a plane. It's right here. This is what gives Christianity its transforming power. Jesus wouldn't stay in his cave either. And when Jesus came out of the cave, He brought with Him the souls of men and women. And He brought with Him the keys of death, hell, and the grave. The power of the church is an empty tomb. Romans 5 says, we were justified and reconciled by His death. But we shall be saved by His life. Well, you might as well stay up. I'm finished.
I ain't finished. I'm just going home. Man, I had so many things I wanted to. We never did get to Elijah. The Lord said to Elijah, What doest thou here, Elijah? He never did answer the question. He just gave God a parade of his loyalty. I've been this and I've been that and I've been this and I've been that. And I've been this and, and I've stood up for you. And now they're trying to kill me. And I could see God smile and say, Trying to kill you. Ahab and Jezebel tried to kill you three years ago. And I provided for you and kept you safe. What's your problem? Well, why don't you be honest, Elijah? The only reason you're in this cave is because you traded your faith for fear. Let me ask you again, Elijah, what doest thou here? And he went through the same rigmarole. If you read the scripture, look at it. We don't have time. I'm finished. But when I read you that scripture and the Lord said, go forth, do you know that Elijah disobeyed God like some of us are now? and would not go forth read it God said go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord he would not go out of his cave that's why God put on the fireworks he brought the earthquake he brought the fire he brought the wind it could have buried him in his cave shaking rocks coming out of a mountain could have buried him and made his cave a grave then the question came a second time Elijah what doest thou here and he went through it again and then the scripture says after that a still small voice the next verse says and when Elijah heard it he went out and God said go return 
No berating, no damning, no condemning, no putting on probation. He put him back in the army. Go. Why? Your greatest day is ahead. What are you going to do, Lord? I'm going to give you the greatest journey you've ever taken. I want you to go to the wilderness of Damascus. It's a 500-mile journey. You've never made a trip that far. And here's what I want you to do. I want you for the first time in your ministry to take the holy anointing oil and touch a heathen with it. Is God trying to tell this conference if we'll come out of the cave the oil that's brought gladness and liberty and power to us. God wants to take us out of the perimeter of comfort and safety and touch someone who knows nothing about this. He was to anoint Hazael king. He was a heathen. He was going to feel oil that was only reserved for kings and priests and prophets. What? lies ahead for this movement. No one move. Let's praise the Lord just a moment. <laughs> to husband to wife or to brother to brother, just like this, one arm on the other shoulder. Just like this. Pray for one another. That we can come out of our caves right now in the name of Jesus. Let the prayers ring up in this house. Liberance can come in this place tonight. You can be set free from things that's had you bound. Be delivered from. I got the inside bling bling. Don't need no little bitty ringy 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 things. Because jewelry is making up for something that you lack. But when you've got the Holy Ghost, you don't lack anything. Then you don't need jewelry. Because when you get the Holy Ghost, you get the inside bling bling. Somebody ought to write a song about that. I got the inside bling bling. For more information, visit our website at www.holyghostradio.com. Came to the Lord, said, what am I?